Welcome to the Michigan Minds Podcast, a quick and informative analysis of today's top issues from University of Michigan faculty. Thank you so much for joining Michigan Minds. We're really excited to learn from you today. I'm going to let you introduce yourself to our audience, and can you also tell them a little bit about your role at the University of Michigan? My name is Jonathan Golub. I am a physician scientist at the University of Michigan, an assistant professor in infectious disease. Um, and so I divide my time between taking care of patients. Um, my specialty is actually patients with immunocompromised who also have infection. And then my lab uh, studies how the gut microbiome, uh, the microbes that live within us, um, affect how treatments work and how people, particularly immunocompromised people, uh, do. Thank you. And since you are a physician scientist specializing in infections in immunocompromised patients, I want to spend our time today talking about COVID-19 transmission and the vaccine among individuals with weakened immune systems. But can you start by explaining what it means to be immunocompromised? Of course. Immunocompromise is actually a pretty broad category, and people can have uh, immunocompromised for a variety of reasons. Basically, it means it's a situation where the body's defenses, the immune system, are not able to work properly. This can go both ways. It can be an immune system that is overreactive to things it shouldn't be reacting to. Um, but at the end of the day, it just generally means that someone's body is not able to defend itself against invaders quite as well as we would expect. This can be from autoimmune disease. So things like ulcerative colitis or lupus. It can be from primary, which is to say this is more often in kids where just a part of the immune system just doesn't develop quite right. It can be from medications or treatments for things. So um, in the case of uh, autoimmunity, we give medicines that tamp down the immune system, but they then have the collateral effect of also reducing the ability of the body to defend itself. And then the last one, a uh, broad category, are people who receive transplants, whether they're solid organs like a kidney or a liver or a heart or a blood transplant, usually for treatment for cancer. In all those situations, we would expect the person just not to be able to defend themselves as well. And so why is COVID-19 specifically so dangerous to immunocompromised people? And has the, the Delta variant caused any greater concern? The COVID-19, as we kind of all are starting to learn, unfortunately, is a really big challenge even for healthy people's immune systems to defend against. Um, and one of the things we learned early on in the pandemic is that COVID-19 can, particularly people who are getting very, very sick from COVID-19, kind of in its own directly break how well the immune system can defend itself, even a perfectly healthy person's. And so for people whose immune systems are kind of already starting not working very well, particularly people with blood cancers and blood transplants, um, they can really do poorly with COVID-19, really struggle to clear out the virus, can keep the virus around for a very, very, very long time. 
I'm not aware of Delta itself showing a more of a problem, aside any different for immunocompromised people than it does for anyone, uh, which is say Delta really clearly, I think, is much more able to transmit itself from person to person. Um, but it sort of adds together. So someone who is immunocompromised is even at a bigger risk of uh, any kind of variant of COVID-19 that we've, we've encountered so far. And how protected are immunocompromised patients once they've been fully vaccinated against COVID-19? So the vaccination regimens, when we say fully vaccinated, it depends on the vaccine, but the three vaccines that are in use in the United States, which I'll focus on, one, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine only requires one dose, and the two other vaccines, the Moderna and Pfizer vaccines require two doses. The doses, the timing between the doses and how well they work were all established in studies that excluded people who were immunocompromised. And so when we say fully vaccinated, we can be pretty confident after that dosing regimen, one of Johnson & Johnson or two of the other, the mRNA vaccines, and people who aren't immunocompromised, that's a pretty good dosing regimen. Um, because people who are immunocompromised were excluded for their safety from the original trials, we kind of just extrapolated, we guessed that the same doses would be good enough. Um, and I think there's a little bit of evidence now that that maybe isn't the case, and that people who are immunocompromised really do benefit from a third dose of vaccine, particularly after a little bit more time, to just kind of kick their immune system to really respond to the vaccine. And how do we know that? People who are immunocompromised and who have completed the standard vaccination regimen are much more likely to be hospitalized if they do get COVID-19, get exposed to COVID-19. And so although people who are immunocompromised are pretty rare, you know, depending on how you want to define immunocompromised, there are about one in 20 of people in, in just in general, they represent half of the people who end up in the hospital after vaccination with COVID-19, which is say really maybe the vaccines maybe do need an extra dose in that population. And you recently authored an article for the conversation about this, uh, talking about how the COVID-19 vaccine, how a third dose of it could decrease hospitalization rates among immunocompromised people. So can you um, just share a little bit of that information that you wrote in that piece? Absolutely. So as I mentioned, one of the, the CDC brought up this point that half of the people who are ending up in the hospital after vaccination um, sick with COVID are immunocompromised. And they listed out a couple more specific what they mean by immunocompromised was the inkling that maybe we need to do a slightly different strategy in people who are immunocompromised. In parallel, there's a little bit of data about this extra booster dose, um, getting a third dose of vaccine and um, really does seem to boost people's levels of response to the vaccine. We don't have a good way of with like a blood test to measure something that really predicts yet how well people are gonna be protected from COVID-19, but it, it's an inkling. And certainly after a third dose of the two mRNA vaccines, there is a little bit of evidence that you get that level of both 
antibodies, which are one body defense, and T cell activation, another body defense, more akin to what you would see from a non-immunocompromised person. And so with those two bits of information together, the CDC has recommended that people with a list of specific immunocompromising conditions um, get that third dose of vaccine. Um, and, it, and it's sort of a now that we've had the vaccines out in the real world, we have a little bit of better sense of what the, how they can, um, how we can adjust our dosing and our strategy for using the vaccines in people with immunocompromised. And you mentioned the CDC officially recommended this third dose of the vaccine for certain patients. Can you explain uh, who is included in that group and why they've made that recommendation based on that, that list that you mentioned? Absolutely. So the, the list is kind of similar to what I mentioned before, people who have had a transplant, people who are actively receiving treatment for a cancer, um, people who are actively receiving immunosuppressive medicines for some autoimmune disease, again, like lupus or um, ulcerative colitis. Um, and then people who were sort of born with immune systems that do not work that well. There's a little bit longer list. And if you are worried, please do talk to your doctor. Most people who meet one of these criteria will be seeing a doctor regularly as part of their treatment for one of these conditions. Um, and, uh, and so that they that was the list. And how did the CDC know this? Well, one of the things the CDC has been doing um, is they keep a very close eye on these questions. So anyone who gets admitted to the hospital, not anyone, but so they've partnered with hospitals around the country to keep a track of who is being admitted to hospitals after they've received a COVID vaccine for COVID. And this is where this information kind of this signal came out. So it was organic, it was real world, evidence that really started to drive this concern and then bring up this plan of what to do for people who are immunocompromised. Is the vaccine the most effective prevention measure for those who have weakened immune systems against COVID-19? I think in general for anyone who is at risk of um, COVID-19, particularly a bad course of COVID-19, the best strategy remains a defense in depth strategy, which is say to have the vaccines, but also use masks and avoid large in indoor crowds, particularly indoor crowds where masking and vaccination are not expected to participate in the event. Um, and I think that remains to be the case. And the big thing I look at when I make my own decisions about how to do is what is the amount of COVID in the community or the group that I'm gonna be participating in? And then what are the risks of the event? And so it's a little tricky answer. The best defense for people who are immunocompromised is for all of us to be vaccinated. Vaccines at the end of the day are up public health intervention. And what I mean by that is vaccines work better and better the more people who are vaccinated. So the COVID vaccines are amazingly good. They're among the best vaccines we've ever invented. Um, but they really, any vaccine, even crummy vaccines can work really well provided enough people have accepted them. And so it's always gonna be better for immunocompromised people and now kids who cannot be vaccinated to have everyone around them vaccinated. And, and I, um, 
I think immunocompromised people consistently have been recommended even after vaccines to continue to wear masks, particularly indoors or when in crowds. And we often recommend even before the COVID-19 pandemic this, because um, the same reasons that people with immunocompromise are at risk for COVID, they're at risk for all the other respiratory viruses, most of whom we do not have a vaccine for. So many of us have experienced different phases of the pandemic from the initial lockdown in March and April 2020, where very few things were open to, you know, over the summer where outdoor dining while wearing masks became more commonplace, and then vaccinations and more lifted mitigation measures, and everything that has happened in between there. And that's, that's been my experience. I want to ask if immunocompromised individuals have also had this experience or has it been different because of their weakened immune systems? Have these changes in public health guidelines over the course of the last 18 months impacted the way that they've experienced the pandemic? Absolutely. Um, I, I think this has been a really difficult and harrowing time for people who are immunocompromised. It's a very broad, as I said, it's a broad group of reasons, but maybe even just focusing on transplant recipients. I, I think most transplant recipients, and I, I do care for transplant recipients, um, take the recognize and, and really act as a, a careful steward of the gift they've been given. And so I, I think as isolating and difficult as the pandemic has been for people who have healthy immune systems, I think it's been even graver um, for people with immunocompromised. And then you add in the complexity that people who are immunocompromised um, just need to access healthcare, come to hospitals that also, by the reality of a pandemic, are also places where people with COVID-19 are congregating. And, and so I think it's been an incredibly difficult and scary time for people who are immunocompromised. Um, and I think that one of the positive attributes that has come of this is I think a lot of people, the family of a lot of people who are immunocompromised often are kind of already doing a lot and stepping up to kind of do what they can to protect their their loved one or their their member of their group who who is a little bit vulnerable and doing things like masking early and, and vaccinating. And so that's often what I'll see is the partner of, of someone who is immunocompromised will be very much on board and doing everything they can themselves. Um, I, I think I'm very grateful for the fact that the vaccines are as good and safe as they are. Nothing is perfect. And so um, my optimistic thought and thing I say to patients who are immunocompromised, people who are immunocompromised is vaccines are good, they're safe. Um, we have all the, we don't need to invent anything to make everyone's lives better. We just kind of need to use the, the things that we have. That's a much better place than we were, say, a year ago, coming into last fall. Yes, uh, certainly the, the you know, availability of vaccination so quickly has just been remarkable. And I want to ask before we wrap up our time, if there's any additional information um, behind the science of how the vaccine works and how a third dose would work um, based on that timing that you were mentioning that you would like to share. 
Absolutely. Um, and I think most people are aware just because the fact that they've received other vaccines. It's really, really common to, to need one dose of the vaccine not being enough. And that even with very good vaccines, the other example, like the hepatitis B vaccine, you need it a couple times. We give it to infants and then we give it a couple more times. So that's really, really common. And often the timing between doses is much longer than the one that we tested for the COVID-19 vaccines. And we, we did a much shorter time window to try to get more people vaccinated more quickly, finish their vaccinations. And so we're continuing to learn and evolve. And I, I, I think um, I'm quite optimistic why. Why does a booster work? Um, the first dose is just that. It's the first introduction. And if you give additional doses of vaccine, it kind of just re-stimulates that part of the immune system and, and also just allows people who's maybe just that weak, their immune system was a little bit sluggish, that extra chance to catch up and, and to really um, develop it. There is, and I'm going a little bit more, this is emerging evidence, but at least in some other countries, there's emerging evidence that mixing and matching vaccines um, might even give a little bit of an extra kick. Um, uh, this is not the recommendation right now. The CDC is currently recommending you receive the same vaccine you received before, which is a more traditional practice, very well borne out for lots of other vaccines. The emerging exciting thing is maybe you get the Johnson & Johnson vaccine as the booster if you, you started off with one of the Moderna or the uh, um, Pfizer vaccines. Why? they seem to stimulate slightly different parts of the immune system. There are two broad parts. And so that's a really exciting idea, not just for COVID-19, but for other diseases where the vaccines maybe don't work, that we currently have do not work as well. Um, the other big thing I'm optimistic about for the future, including for my immunocompromised patients, is just how well these newer, not new, they've been around for a while, but the newer vaccine platforms like the mRNA vaccines, they really do seem to work really, really well. And so it brings up me some optimism for other diseases that are incredibly big challenges for our immunocompromised patients, like adenovirus, which is a common cold virus, RSV, another really nasty cold virus, and CMV, which is the monovirus that um, people either get as infants or teenagers usually. Um, all of these are tough, really, really nasty infections in immunocompromised people. And so I'm very optimistic that using the same machinery, we'll be able to make good vaccines for immunocompromised patients in the near future and all the rest of us. As a parent of a toddler, I will be delighted if I never have to have RSV again. I, it's a terrible disease. I've had it. I do not like it. I would like, and, I, and so I'm a little bit optimistic for the future with these new, all of what we've learned from the pandemic. I love wrapping up on an optimistic note, but I do want to ask one question that I ask all of our experts at Join Michigan Minds, and that is if all of our listeners walk away from this valuable and immensely important conversation with one piece of information, what would you want that to be? The vaccines for COVID-19, any of them that are available in the United States are excellent and very, very safe and by far the best way to protect yourself and others against getting terribly ill from a horrible, horrible disease. If you're on the fence, I would just encourage you to talk to someone you trust, including your physician, who is knowledgeable. And, and um, I would just really wish um, you would get to the point of comfort to be able to accept the vaccine because they are, they are 
wonderful, a really, truly, nearly miraculous thing that has, at least in my mind, changed my experience of the pandemic. Thank you, Dr. Golub, for your time and for sharing all of this insight with me and all of our listeners. We greatly appreciate your time. I'm delighted to be able to do it. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Michigan Minds podcast, a production of the University of Michigan. Join the conversation on social media with hashtag UMichImpact.